Hello to all of our listeners. Uh, thank you so much for being here. I am really excited today to be sitting down virtually with Tony Westbrook, who is the assistant director at WashU Hillel in St. Louis. So um, Tony, thank you so much for being here with me today. Um, very briefly, could you explain to our listeners um, who you are, your background and what you do? Yes. Uh, well, first I wanna say thank you for, for having me. I'm very excited uh, to do this. Um, I am Tony Westbrook, obviously, <laughs> a St. Louis native. Uh, I work for Hillel here in St. Louis as the assistant director. I oversee lots of our really incredible programs and program uh, engagement staff. Uh, and in my spare time when I'm you know, not working for Hillel, I'm making incredible uh, TikTok videos uh, and posting things on yes. Facebook. Um, yeah, that's... That's sort of where I where I am now. Um, I wasn't always Jewish, and I wasn't always so passionate about the Jewish community. Um, yeah, <laughs> and I can awesome if you'd like. <laughs> Thanks. That's a perfect segue. I actually wanted to um, bring up TikTok. Um, so I'm wondering if you can kind of elaborate for the people listening. Kind of what drew you into sharing your experience, your Jewish experience, on social media, um, and kind of just more broadly, what drew you into Judaism and what you were particularly, I guess, curious about? Absolutely. Um, so I guess I will, my, my story is sort of all over the place, so you will help me uh, control Go for it. So I, as I said earlier, I didn't grow up Jewish. Um, I actually come from a really religious Christian family. Uh, I jokingly say that I grew up as a from uh, very orthodox Christian. Uh, I have lots of things in common uh, with my orthodox friend, my orthodox Jewish friends, and how they grew up. Um, so, you know, not really interacting with a lot of secular TV and music, um, really interacting with the secular world um, in ways that I think many of the people listening to this probably do. Uh, and so I, I really learned about Judaism and Jews through church, uh, through the context of the Old Testament and through the context of the Holocaust, uh, through different reading uh, readings in school. Um, and for me, I felt like there were big chunks missing. You have sort of the ancient Jewish people in the Bible, and then nothing, 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 and then the Holocaust, and then today. Uh, and I felt like there were pieces that were, were missing. Um, and in high school, I did a youth leadership program that at the time brought together specifically black and Jewish students to learn about racism, anti-Semitism, discrimination, you know, all the, the big isms in the world. And we looked at those issues through the lens of the, the black and Jewish experience here in America. Um, many people don't know this, but there's a lot of overlap between black culture, Jewish culture in America, um, and blacks and Jews really worked very closely together uh, during the civil rights movement, leading up to the civil rights movement, uh, and I think the height of the visibility was definitely during the civil rights movement, and it sort of fizzled out um, from there. And the founder of this program really wanted to help activate and create the next generation of social justice activists. Um, so I was in that program, and that was the time that was when I first got my first, uh, you know, living, breathing taste of Judaism. Um, and we were paired up with different uh, students in the program. And so I got paired up with a friend. Her family was Jewish and observant, 
Uh, it was the first time I experienced Passover, the first time I experienced Shabbat. Um, and I wasn't quite sure what Shabbat was, but I knew I loved it from the very first moment. Uh, the food, the singing, uh, really the focus on family. Um, so fast forward a few years, I went off to undergrad uh, at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. Uh, and at that time, you know, I was still exploring um, just sort of who I was. It was the first time that I wasn't under um, sort of a really strict religious way of living. Uh, and really, I think as most people in college do, really just explore what's out there to see what's the best fit for them. Um, and I really wish I could say, you know, uh, at the time I was going to both church and synagogue on the weekends. And I really wish I could say that I was doing it because, you know, I was really trying to find the meaning of life or I was trying to find God. Uh, it absolutely wasn't that at all. Um, <laughs> I knew that on Friday and Saturday on Shabbat, the synagogues hosted students uh, for meals. And on Sundays, the churches did the same thing. Uh, and as an you know, a broke college student who doesn't love a free home-cooked meal. Right. That's why Hillel exists. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and I, I found that, you know, I just over the course of my, my four years there, that I was really much more comfortable uh, in synagogue than I ever was in church. Uh, the, the songs, uh, which I learned later discovered were prayers, uh, and were in Hebrew really resonated with me, even though I didn't know single word of Hebrew at the time, and I had no clue what people were singing about. But the fact that the entire congregation uh, together, you know, for for different prayers was really really moving. Um, when I moved back home to St. Louis uh, to start working, uh, the same friend from you know years ago from the high school program also was in St. Louis. And we met up for lunch one day, and I sort of had this coming out as Jewish moment. Uh, and I said, you know what, I think I'm supposed to be Jewish. I don't really know what that means. You know, where do I go from here? She directed me to one of the rabbis who taught, uh, gave us a, taught a session in the high school program. Uh, and so, you know, I, I met with her, uh, and she's a, a really well-known reform rabbi here in St. Louis. Um, I... And she's really sort of like a, uh, th what's the word? There's the word tzedek, um, or tzedek, um, you know, a righteous person. And she yeah. embodies all of that, um, the sweetest human being you'll ever meet. Uh, and when I met with her, she gave me this really beautiful analogy. And she said, you know, Tony, when you were born, your parents wrapped you in this beautiful, warm Christian garment. It kept you safe, it kept you warm, it really supported you when you needed it. Uh, and as you've grown up, you know, now you want to try on a different garment. And maybe that garment in this moment is Judaism. Maybe that garment is Islam, or maybe it's Buddhism, or maybe it's something else. Maybe it's not a garment at all. Um, that really resonated with me. Um, and so over the course of two years, uh, I went to all 11 synagogues here in St. Louis. Uh, studying uh, officially for conversion. At the end, you know, finished, went to the mikveh, presented to the Beit Din, the rabbinical court, came out of the mikveh feeling very Jewish, very excited and sort of fired up about being Jewish. Uh, but something felt like it was missing. I didn't have that Jewish summer camp experience that a lot of my friends had. I didn't have 
the bar mitzvah experience. And of those two things, I knew I could change. Uh, and so I decided I was going to have a bar mitzvah uh, and started studying for another two years, uh, learning the prayers, learning how to chant Torah, learning sort of just the, I would say really the, the ins and outs of sort of synagogue life um, and what it really means to be a Jew in this modern day. And on my 28th birthday, uh, had a fantastic uh, bar mitzvah uh, in front of the entire Jewish community. Um, our federation CEO and board were there, other heads of other rabbis from other synagogues um, across the denominational spectrum were there. Um, and it really was sort of a who's who of Jewish St. Louis. Um, and I attribute that mostly to, to two things. Um, one, my my non-Jewish mother, inviting uh, lots of people, and sort of just word of mouth because I studied with so many people. Right. Um, I think I told one person, and then they told another person, and then you know, it it really was like high holidays at synagogue. There was standing room only, um, which is what everyone else tells me. The day is sort of a blur, but we have it on video, so uh, <laughs> thank goodness for that. Um, yeah, and I, so I, I converted, I then had the, the bar mitzvah, um, during the bar mitzvah process, I discovered this world of Jewish text and that there were other things out there. And for me, that was, that was just sort of too intriguing to pass up. So I very crazily decided I was going to quit my job here in America, move to Israel, study in yeshiva. Um, <laughs> and that was only supposed to be a year. Um, I ended up being in Israel for almost four years, made Aliyah uh, at the end of my time in Israel, uh, heard about this job here at Hillel, applied, was interviewed, got the job. I flew back June 9th, started work on uh, June 11th, I believe. So I only gave myself one day uh, in between, which I don't recommend people do, <laughs> you know, give yourself some time. Um, so that that's just a little bit about sort of the, the background. It's a it's a much more elaborate and very long story, uh, which I'm these days I'm very happy to share. That wasn't always the case. Uh, but the reason I share, I guess, really my passion for being Jewish and Judaism on social media, um, I think being Jewish is the coolest thing in the world. Uh, it's like being a part of this secret club that. Lots of other people are also part of the secret club. Uh, we have our own little, you know, code language. Uh, we have our own little foods, our own traditions and rituals. Um, and it's really, my, my time in Israel really taught me that no matter where a Jew is from in the world, whether they're religious or, or secular or just Jewish or anywhere in between, uh, we all have this sort of this common heartbeat uh, and it's it's really interesting to sort of just connect with total strangers uh, when you happen to be Jewish. Definitely. Awesome. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I definitely know what you mean about the secret club that there are lots of other members, but once you connect with someone, it's like, you're Jewish too? No way. So have I. I love that. Um, yeah. Awesome. So I want to kind of pivot towards... Um, your another one of your identities, which you also talk really openly about, which is being Black in America. Um, mm -hmm. So I've heard from a couple other Orthodox Jews of color 
that being visibly orthodox in the way that especially men are in the way that um, you have a head covering and tzitzit and everything that comes along with being a visibly orthodox man um i've heard from some people um that sometimes it can be kind of an alienating experience where potentially other orthodox jewish people namely um, orthodox jewish people that are white presenting um might kind of give a second glance i know that there's an unfortunate phenomenon sometimes of assuming that all jews of color have converted when for a lot of people that's absolutely not the case um Correct. This is something that we talked about. We had Yavila McCoy come to our Hillel last February um, before shelter in place. And that's something that she spoke about. Um, and I'm wondering if you have any thoughts to share on this phenomenon or if um, there's any insight that you have. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I, I want to first say that I am a huge fan of Yavila McCoy. Um, yeah. On a Zoom together, uh, she was doing work here in the St. Louis Jewish community. And I had the a great honor of introducing her and really like fanboyed super hard <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know she said my name and i was like oh my god it, it was great <laughs> i i would say i think jews of color we we i don't want to speak for every jew of color but uh, in my experience uh we we experience many of the same sort of oops and ouches um and what i mean by that is uh, just going back to something you said, when we are in Jewish spaces or in Jewish community, um, we're always asking ourselves the question, will we be counted, whether that's in the minion, whether that's counted as part of the community, counted as being Jewish, uh, you know, is the, the security guard at the door going to ask me more intense questions than they are, you know, my white Jewish friend, um, and just lots of lots of things uh, like that. Uh, I jokingly describe, uh, you know, being a Jew of color, uh, and I think specifically being uh, a Black Orthodox Jew of color as a, a double-edged sword. There are moments that are absolutely fantastic and really beautiful. Uh, and there are other moments where it is quite literally the most offensive, crazy situation, uh, and you, you know, you can't process it in that moment. Um, and it's 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 both hard. It's both, you know, beautiful. Um, and I think it it sort of feeds the reason why I I post on TikTok so much. Um, it's about being visible. Um, I. I happen to be really lucky and uh, sort of the, the Jewish family that adopted me here in St. Louis uh, was a, a blended family um, where the, the mom was black, the dad was white and Jewish, um, had lots of really wonderful kids uh, who were like my little brothers and sisters uh, today. And I, I thought about, you know, what they were seeing, you know, in the media within the community, were they seeing Jews that looked like them, were they seeing um, you know, really, what were they seeing? What were they experiencing? Um, and it's, you're absolutely right. It, it certainly is alienating. Um, but I try very hard these days uh, to not necessarily to totally disregard um, sort of the, the ouch points uh, where people say really crazy things to me or they ask what I think are super inappropriate questions, like coming up to me you know, in the middle of 
the Amidah, the, the most secret part of uh, Jewish prayer, and asking me if I, you know, if I know where I am in the in the liturgy. When keep in mind my Sidor, my prayer book, is totally in Hebrew. You know, I studied in yeshiva for three years. I, I should know the full service um, while they are holding theirs upside down. So it's it's really crazy. Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, oh my God. I, oh. <laughs> um, that's yeah. going to be, I feel like that m must be hard to keep one's mouth shut um, to keep from biting back with like <laughs> you're holding yourself upside down dude get out of my face um so kudos to you i mean um it, it, it really is um and i i haven't always i would say i i haven't always been as uh <laughs> as i am now um in the the early days right after my conversion um you know i was being in community and i was like oh well they just they want like me uh and then over time the people that i saw that were constantly doing it um, or being well-intentioned were people who you know were working at the federation and sitting on boards where they had access uh sort of the, the information about the jewish community at large uh, who had gone to israel multiple times and i think if you've if you're a Jew and you've been to Israel even once, you will see that everyone, almost everyone in Israel is a different shade of brown. Like, right. <laughs> right. The, the nature um, of when you bring people from all over uh, together. Um, and it isn't isolated. I, I think one of the, the biggest misconceptions is that um, racism or these implicit, you know, biases are only within the Orthodox Jewish community. Um, and I have found, again, this is just my experience, is that depending on where I am within the Jewish world, uh, I get from more, in some places I get it more and then other places I don't. So communities that are just Jewish or very secular, um, Orthodox communities, reform, conservative, everything in between. Thank you. Um, that kind of is a interesting segue point. I'm wondering if there are aspects to your experience as a Jewish person of color that you kind of wish that non that non um, or that that white Jewish people, especially white American Jews, kind of knew or got to understand from your perspective. Something that if you feel that we knew that it would set off a light bulb and we would think, oh, that's that's their experience. I need to either I need to walk back some of these assumptions that, that assumptions that I've had, or these are things that I need to be more proactive about in my community to make it more to make it safer to make it more what it ideally should be. Um, if there's any kind of of those experiences that you might have that you want to share. Absolutely. Um, I will first start by saying uh, a Jew is a Jew is a Jew is a Jew. Uh, right. And I, this is probably going to be, you know, a, a hot take for 2021. Um, as an Orthodox person, I, I know that halacha, Jewish law, says that uh, only if someone converted through Orthodox 
you know, channels or if they are born from a Jewish mother that they are Jewish. I say yes and. Um, if your father's Jewish and you were raised Jewish, you're Jewish. Uh, if you had grandparents that were Jewish and you still do some sort of Jewish, you know, something, uh, I really believe that you're Jewish. And if you are willing to join the community and participate in Jewish life in a way that's meaningful and sustainable to you, then you are Jewish, period. Um, and again, I know that might be <laughs> a bit of a hot take, um, but when it comes to, I think, the experiences of Jews of color, uh, I think really identifying some of those implicit biases and really trying not to make assumptions. We, we all do this. Um, so it's, it's natural. Um, and I think when people call you out or call you in, uh, might be a to say it, um, it's don't, don't sort of internalize that and, you know, make it all about you. Uh, it's, it's not, uh, as the, as the person who, you know, was hurt by this, I'm, I'm sharing out that this thing that you said, or this question that you asked me, or the way that this program was structured was really challenging for me, was really hurtful, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I would also really just say, if you wouldn't, in regards to questions, I have had the experience of having people ask me all sorts of really inappropriate questions, questions that I think are inappropriate, uh, mostly because I don't think my white Jewish counterparts would be asked the same questions. Um, like, what's my, what's my Hebrew name in a setting that it doesn't make sense to talk about Hebrew names? Um, I don't know if I can say this, so maybe you'll edit it out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, if, if, if I, if I'm circumcised or not, and okay. like, guys, we're at Kiddush. Why are you at That's so inappropriate. Right. Um, definitely the, no matter the context. <laughs> right. Right. Um, definitely. Like, you're not my doctor. Like, why are you asking that? <laughs> um, you know, asking. I think asking how I'm Jewish or coming up to me and saying, oh, you converted or, oh, are you here for, you know, a, a world religions class? Um, oh. And just like really, really think about this. Uh, and a lot of my responses, again, in the early days, um, I, I guess I was sort of a baby Jew in the world. Um, I was both like just very dumbfounded and immediately angry and it like it didn't move past that. And so then I would totally, you know, disregard that person, never talk to them again, um, which is really hard when you're in communities that aren't, you know, New York or LA where right. you can, if you don't want to see someone, you can go out of your way to not see them, but that's not necessarily the case here in St. Louis. Everyone knows everyone. Right. Um, and just really, I think, doing the, the work on my end to say, okay, I don't want someone else who walks in the door that looks like me to have this experience. Um, what can I do um, to really change either that behavior, address it, or, um, yeah. Awesome. Um, I can't believe that someone would ask you <laughs> such an invasive question. Oh my goodness. Um, 
Um, kind of switching gears a little bit, um, I wanted to talk and ask specifically about um, performative activism. And um, I believe it's a slacktivism or performative allyship. I know this is something that you mentioned on social media before Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, and it's something that kind of gets at me specifically because um, obviously being a person of color is not my experience, but um, being the one who manages our Hillel social media accounts, striking the right balance. And it's not enough to not say, it's not enough to be silent now. Not that it ever was okay to be silent, but especially when we work with um, young, youngest millennials and especially Gen Z, being silent for them, rightfully so, is not an option. Um, this is a generation where if you are silent on your social media, they will call you out. They'll say, why aren't you saying anything? Um, so striking the right balance and um, wanting to say something but not center myself in the conversation um, has been something that's I've been thinking a lot about um, not just the past couple days as we as we move into Black History Month and I start to do all these features and we have this conversation but over the last few months as we've seen um, another nationwide another resurgence of the nationwide conversation around racial justice um, so I'm kind of wondering if there are any thoughts you have about how non-Black Jewish people, how we can avoid that performative allyship, how we can avoid that performative activism that is only skin deep and how we can support you, not just during, during these times in quotes, um, but all the time. Absolutely. Um, oh, let me get my soapbox out. <laughs> Go for it. Um, I think the, the biggest, and you, you really said it, uh, the biggest piece is not making it about, about you. Um, recognizing, you know, if, if you or your organization have been silent, um, I think you really have to do some, some deep work and ask yourself why. Are you uncomfortable talking about racial you know, add, add on whatever word you want, racial justice, race in America. Um, are you, do you feel like you're, you know, gonna alienate your, your base of supporters? Um, which if that's a concern, I think you have to really look at <laughs> like right. who that base, base is uh, and recognize that when, I, I'm not a fan of canceling people. Um, I think there are few individuals uh, within the last several years who have <laughs> rightfully been canceled and like we can we can say okay we're done um but i think canceling people as a whole absolutely, it, it doesn't really move the needle it doesn't for the conversation um and i think when we we think about when i think about at least um performative activism and performative allyship uh, it's really sort of a, a pat on the back of, oh, I made this post about uh, Martin Luther King, period. And it's like, oh, okay, well, did you did you engage, you know, in a day of learning? Have you talked to, you know, non-Jews of color, specifically non-Black Jews in your community? Have you talked to, you know, the Black people that, that live in your neighborhood? Do you live in your neighborhood? Uh, lots of, you know, lots of questions. Um, and it's a, it's a real, I don't want to say it's a sort of a tightrope act, uh, but it's, it's, it's certainly a challenging, I think, piece right now. 
Uh, and I would I would take it back. Um, you 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 mentioned a post that I did uh, right before Martin Luther King, um, which I received significant pushback from um, from some folks here within my community. Uh, <laughs> uh, and many of them were saying, you know, you know, what if this is the one chance, you know, by posting this inspirational quote, that's going to be the thing that really triggers them and moves them to action. And they said, well, well, great. But the problem for me is they haven't said anything all year. And there's been plenty of times for them to say something. Uh, I know that people want to post lots of really positive things uh, because the world is quite literally burning right now. <laughs> uh, and to sort of help people take their minds off of that. But that for me, I, I'm all about sort of moving the needle. How can we best do that? Uh, it's not going to be easy. Uh, in fact, it's in incredibly challenging. It's really messing. messy. People's feelings, you know, will, will be hurt. But out of that, out of that tension, out of that that struggle, you know, really, I think, comes a, a beautiful relationship. Uh, people that I can genuinely say, this person is my ally, and X racist thing happened on my campus. Who can I go to that will understand, or maybe not necessarily understand, but who's willing to listen, who's willing to roll up their sleeves and, and get to work? Um, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I love that. Like that's something that we, I think in the Hillel space always want to do. Um, and for some of us, it, I think we're not always, we're always willing to do that, to roll up our sleeves and do that hard work. But I think over the past year, we've seen that a lot of us, we might, for lack of a better word, not be equipped to handle um, those kinds of students coming to us and saying, I had this, like a racist incident happened to me on campus, I need help. Um, if it's one of our students of color, like, where I look at them, I, and I love them, I want to support them. But if we didn't grow up in an environment where we were able to openly have these conversations, you know, it, it can feel really daunting, like, what do we do? So thank you for um, sharing that. And um, may we all continue doing that really hard work and going beyond all the stuff that's skin deep. Um, I wanna move into two of our student questions. Um, we had some of our students send these in. Um, one student asked, uh, do you see yourself as having to manage two identities in America, being Jewish and being black? Uh, the answer is uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's, I'm not a good juggler. Um, and there, there were lots of times in my life uh, I'm, I'm someone who likes to, I like things to be in neat order and in their proper place. Uh, and for me, uh, it's, it's always been a struggle. Um, thankfully, Judaism and, you know, some wonderful therapy uh, has really helped me uh, within the last few years to really sort of marry those identities and those different parts of myself together. Um, I am often either not Jewish enough or I'm too Jewish, depending on what Jewish space I'm in. Um, when I am in sort of exclusively black spaces that aren't my family, um, I'm 
either not black enough, just sort of period. <laughs> oh. um, and, you know, I, I can laugh about it now. Um, and I'm thinking about a few moments uh, and experiences in the past where I've had extended family members say really crazy and anti-Semitic things and me calling them out and they're like, well, it doesn't really, that like, you can't really say anything because you're not really Jewish. You know, you're still black. And being like, oh, um, I'm pretty sure that's not how the world works. Uh, and, you know, then really like, not in that moment, maybe, you know, a few days later, uh, writing an email, having a, a phone conversation of like that, that was not okay. Um, there are lots of Jews that look like me, um, and I and I don't want people to to think that you know the black community is like anti-Semitic. Um, I think there are people within the community that that have had some challenging relationships with with Jews, um, and so unfortunately that has like tinted the way they see all Jews, uh, which is really really unfortunate. Or I get things from within the black community saying, I, I'm a real Jew, I'm a real Hebrew, uh, which discredits anyone who doesn't look like me as a Jew, specifically white Ashkenazi Jews, which again is based in, in racism and anti-Semitism and other sort of crazy conspiracy theories that uh, don't Google it because it will like, <laughs> It's sick to your stomach. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of those theories are everywhere on social media. Um, but I, I feel like I've gotten to a place, um, and it's, it's one of the reasons I love being Jewish. Uh, Judaism really allows me to be my most authentic self at all times. Um, and the moment I... I learned that I forget we were I was I was reading some traditional uh, text and I'm forgetting it right now it will come to me after um, and the rabbi sort of there's this discussion amongst the rabbis and sort of what comes from it is that living as a Jew at that time and I sort of take it to sort of pull it out to apply now um, it really gives a framework to, to live your life uh, to interact with your fellow Jews, your non-Jews. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's, certainly, it's certainly challenging at times. Uh, there's a lot of overlap. Um, the, the focus on, on family and traditions, uh, and in my case, sort of the, the, the focus on sort of the religious aspect. Um, when I converted, I think many people thought that it would be sort of really hard um, giving up all of my Christian traditions uh, and swapping or trading them for Jewish traditions. Uh, and the reality is so different than what I was already doing. Um, I would say the, the biggest difference now um, in how I manage my identities or the way that it really comes, the two ways that I think it comes up most um, is my presence on social media and food. Um, there are lots of things that I grew up eating that I love eating that I can't eat now unless I make them uh, because they're not kosher. Um, and so now I like lots of sort of traditional black dishes, uh, particularly like Southern black dishes, swapping, you know, all the delicious deep fried lard and, and butter and, and all those good things, <laughs> swapping that out for, you know, 
parve or vegan vegetarian things and uh, really making it work. Nice. Awesome. Thanks. Um, yeah. Our next student wanted to ask, uh, what drew you to Orthodox Judaism specifically rather than Reform or Conservative Judaism? So this is a, a question that I, I get all the time. Um, and I, 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 I love this question. When I was converting, um, at the advice of uh, the initial rabbi that I met with, uh, Rabbi Susan Talvey, uh, she really was the first person who encouraged me to go out and just explore the Jewish community to really see where I fit in. Um, I'd had a very sort of traditional upbringing. Um, and so I was looking for really for something that sort of fit that mode. Um, I'd, I would say that my personal practice definitely is a hybrid of all three of these. Um, I, my, my practice is very orthodox. Um, I am fiercely egalitarian uh, and look for halachic ways, uh, ways according to Jewish law um, that both men and women, um, everyone in between, if they want to participate in ritual Jewish life that they, they can without barriers. Um, and so I think I, I really picked that up from the reform and conservative movement. Um, I really love, I, I would say sort of the, the, the laid backness of reform Judaism. Uh, and so I, I really try to take a lot of really cool inventive things um, that I've learned from some of my uh, teachers who, you know, were reform, uh, I guess are reform, <laughs> um, and applying that, uh, you know, how I sort of do my Judaism. Um, I would say it, it really shows up in a really pretty big way during Pesach, um, during Passover. Um, I was at one Seder one year, and it was a reform community Seder um, and the rabbis and everyone, you know, had on costumes and acted out everything. Um, and that's not to say that Jews across the spectrum don't do that, but I was like, oh, this is super cool. Uh, and so now all of my satyrs are essentially like Broadway. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm changing, you know, wigs and costumes. Um, one year I ended up having to go to like urgent care in Israel uh, because I was, I was, you know, in the bathroom switching from Moses to Pharaoh and doing sort of black eyeliner and jabbed myself in the eye. So, um, <laughs> uh, you know, thankfully I was okay. Um, and it was really fun to explain um, to the doctor working <laughs> what happened. Um, but I, 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 I'm a firm believer as an Orthodox person, I believe 100% in, in pluralism. Um, and for me, pluralism really means that Every Jew is allowed to do their own Jewish thing on their own terms. The way that I keep Shabbat or observe holidays might not be the same as you, or it might not be the same as, you know, Bob down the street. Um, but at the end of the day, we're all doing something, um, and the way that we're doing that something or that action is inherently Jewish. Um, and so I really, I don't know, I... As I said earlier, I, I love being Jewish. I think it's <laughs> just like, I, don't know, I feel like I now have superpowers and it's so cool. <laughs> I love that. 
I feel like sometimes there's a focus in our community on the hardships that we've faced and the tragedy. Um, and something that I really try to talk about with students a lot and just kind of in my own life is there's so much joy to being Jewish and living a Jewish life, whatever that means to you. Um, is while we should never ignore the hardships and we should never ignore the challenges and anti-Semitism, um, there's so much, there's so much fun and there's so much joy to be had. Um, so on the note of joy and fun, you've mentioned food a little bit. Um, and so I like to close out sometimes um, with questions about food. Um, and I try to tailor them to whoever I'm speaking with. We spoke with one of our students who owns a catering company, who's a chef. Um, but for you, I'd like to ask if you can narrow down your top three dishes, whether they're Jewish or Southern, um, what would they be? Oh my God, that's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> you can make it five if you really want to. No, I, I think I'm going to play by the rules and try to keep it to three. Okay. Um, coming in at number three definitely would have to be challah. Um, I make it every week uh, and before, you know, the stay at home order, social distancing, um, I was making it for myself and, you know, friends. Um, I, I don't know how to cook for one person, right. uh, <laughs> you know, a big family. Um, and so anything I cook easily feeds 10 to 15 people. Nice. Um, so challah is number three. Um, Ooh, I would say um, black and white cookies are number two. Uh, I underrated. They they are, and I don't <laughs> so good. They're so good. They're so good. There's a really great. Um, I forget who it is. There's a really great like New York Times at home cooking YouTube video, um, and the the young lady on it. It's like, oh, I'm going to find the best black and white cookie recipe. And I've watched that video at least a thousand times. <laughs> um, so that was, a, that was a fun week during the summer. Uh, and I would say number one, and it hasn't always been number one, so this is going to be fun, um, is hummus in basar, which is uh, hummus uh, with... <laughs> Our uh, Israel fellow would be very proud. Yes, uh, <laughs> and I like when I when I first lived in Israel. Um, surprisingly, I was I was on a date, uh, and the person was like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna go out and we're gonna eat." And I was, I was thinking we're going on a real, I don't know, like a real restaurant. We go to we find this little uh, hummus place, and they're like, "Oh, you just have to eat it." And I'm like, "This is this is a dip. What like where's the?" <laughs> Uh, fast forward to now, uh, and I love it. Uh, it's sort of my Friday ritual. That's what I have uh, for lunch. A big thing of hummus, uh, delicious fried meat on top. Um, I haven't been eating bread lately, so like <laughs> just sort of dipping my hands in it and just eating nice. it. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Um, on that note, I'm very hungry. Um, <laughs> <so> <laughs> I'm so glad that... Um, we got to sit down and have this conversation. Um, and I'm so glad that I got to hear more about your experience. Um, there were um, a lot of things actually that resonated with me. Um, I speak with our students a lot about how I'm from an interfaith family and I didn't grow up 
um, super Jewishly observant. Uh, my father was raised Catholic, so I grew up with a lot of Christian traditions in my family as well. And it's always nice to connect with someone who can, even if they don't have the exact same experience, can kind of um, like, I know what it was like to feel like I didn't go to camp either and kind of feel that like, that kind of almost like a sense of, oh, I, I missed out. Um, yeah. So I'm really glad that we got to have this conversation and um, we got to hear your story. So thank you so much for joining. Um, and to all those listening, we'll catch you in the next one. And thank you so much. <laughs>